Welcome to Rugged Rants, a tough and at times a bold conversation on the future of innovation and what we can expect as work changes. I'm your host, Barry Ross, and on today's show, we're discussing security with Microsoft and what that means for businesses, both large and small. Employees are increasingly bringing their personal devices to work, as well as using company-provided hardware. Meanwhile, malware attacks are on the rise, becoming more sophisticated. It is estimated that crime will cost the world $6 trillion annually by 2021. That's up from $3 trillion in 2015. My guest, Peter Waxman, Principal Group Program Manager, Enterprise and Security, Core Operating Systems, and Intelligent Edge. Peter, great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Barry. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump to it. I know we have a lot to cover today, and we're talking trillions of dollars. So if you could tell me, starting at a high level, what is the biggest cybersecurity threats you're seeing in companies today? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a, it's a big space, and there's a lot going on. Uh, but you know, one way I like to think about it is that uh, cyberspace is basically the new battlefield. Uh, we're seeing attacks on everything from civilians to large multinational organizations, enterprises, and governments uh, from nation states, from organized criminal networks, uh, individual attackers with all sorts of different motives. So it's a very complex space. Uh, it makes it very complex for enterprise IT and security staffers to be able to defend that space. Um, we, you know, we see one of the big challenges for sure, not just technology, but it's the lack of qualified personnel and resources to go and defend that. Wow. It's, it's, it's a real, you know, real trouble in terms of, you know, hiring people, keeping, uh, keeping up with the latest technology, latest attacks, keeping folks trained and being prepared. I mean, so thinking kind of that, that battlefield mentality is a good way to think about it because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's an all out offensive. It's an all out sort of defensive to keep your, your assets and your enterprise safe. And, you know, especially, you know, you think nowadays, you know, certainly when I talk with a lot of, uh, organizations, you know, they're looking to take advantage of technology to transform their business. You know, have you heard, Barry, you know, for example, there's some retailers, Amazon's an example, they're moving to, you know, an entirely, uh, you know, uh, grocery store environment that doesn't have any people to staff it, right? Lots of cameras, lots of technology involved there. A lot of other... Right, right. No, actually, I'm sorry, go on. So, you know, that, that type of environment, you know, example, retailers, um, you know, uh, manufacturing is increasingly taking advantage of IoT devices and sensors and all sorts of technology to basically drive the next growth opportunities for their business. And that's a huge security risk uh, to be able to secure that, you know, that footprint, not just the traditional PC environment. And so it's interesting. And so, so that's a good segue. And I've never quite heard someone describe uh, cybersecurity, cyber, um, you know, as, as cyber warfare as a battlefield. And I, I think that's appropriate. And so when you start talking about the lack of qualified people, it, is that an example of how threats have evolved over the last 10 years? I mean, what are you seeing there? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a place where in, in some ways um, things have changed significantly in other ways they haven't. And I'll give you a couple examples of both of those. Uh, you know, if, if you go back 10 years, phishing was the most common way that threat actors were gaining access to corporate resources. Uh, skip forward 10 years, 
look today, fishing continues to be the predominant way that wow. these folks are getting access to, to, <laughs> to organizations. Um, the game has evolved. The technology has evolved. Uh, but you know, it still is the weak point. Uh, and, and certainly it's something that Microsoft is, is, has invested and continues to invest a lot of time and, uh, you know, our technologies, I can talk more a little bit about that later. Uh, but that's, you know, that's something that continues to, to be a problem. Um, but also, you know, in other places, things have changed. So, you know, historically, uh, you know, the attackers were going off some after some pretty easy assets and software exploits in the applications or in the operating system. And, you know, certainly the industry has done a lot of work to, to harden assets, to harden, you know, certainly at Microsoft, we did a lot of work in the operating system to make it more resilient and robust and, uh, and to, you know, right. truly put it, put it out there as a leading security capability. Uh, so attackers have pivoted and, you know, they are <clears throat> looking at, you know, increasingly we see that uh, they're attacking things like the firmware on devices, that they're, uh, you know, going after other targets uh, like lower level on a on a device on a PC to be able to basically get their hooks in and stay there for long periods of time. So even if you wipe the operating system, uh, their malware you know wow. remains persistent. And so that's interesting. So when you start talking about the lower level attacks, uh, you know, targeting firmware, it, are, are there industries that you seem to 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 see that are being hit harder than others in security breaches? You know, it, it's a set of risks that impact all industries, but there are some, some industries that have, for a variety of reasons, are either uh, more, more at risk, have greater assets that uh, mm. cyber criminals are going after, uh, you know, or just seem to find themselves uh, more often with uh, significant breaches. So, uh, you know, if you look at one of the uh, common patterns, uh, especially over the last number of years, ransomware has definitely been on the increase. Right. So you think about, um, you know, state and local governments and healthcare in particular seem to be victimized by this more often than not. Uh, and so, you know, if in a hospital environment, for example, and this is this has happened in the news, you know, too frequently, where, uh, you know, regional hospital, local hospital, for example. Uh, you know, one morning, basically, the systems come up and uh, they find that all of the patient records have been encrypted. You're talking wow. about real people's lives at stake. And, uh, you know, in many cases, the organization is making a decision that unfortunately, you know, exacerbates the problem in deciding to pay off the, uh, you know, the criminal involved to get the data back. You know, it's understandable they have to have access to the data, but it then just emboldens these criminals to go off and do it, uh, you know, more more often and, uh, you know, across many more targets. And, and ransomware is, is somewhat new, right? I mean, I don't remember the term ransomware going back maybe three or four more years. Is that, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, it's, it's become more prevalent. It's just because the criminal networks have found um, it is a profitable source of business. And, you know, it's, it's funny, Barry. It's like you, you know, it, it, in some ways it's weird to describe it this way, but when you think about, uh, you know, what these bad actors are doing, they're making rational decisions like a business owner would. Uh, you know, historically, if you go back over the last 10, 15 years, a lot of what you see in the headlines are data breaches. You know, basically, they're going to an organization, one of the ones, you know, customer I'm familiar with, you know, basically, the bad guys took advantage of the self-checkout station in this retailer's shop. It had an open port. Wow. They got their malware in there. The malware basically got all through the network, and they ended up stealing 
tens or hundreds of millions of customer records and credit card information. And they go and, wow. you know, the bad guys go and sell that on the black uh, market. Well, you know, if, if you're this basically criminal business owner and you're thinking, how do I grow this business? How do I make more money off of it? Why don't, you know, now I'm not just going to go and steal that credit card data, that user data. I'm also going to go and encrypt a bunch of the critical enterprise information at the same time and try to take money from that, extort the, uh, the organization, uh, you know, for the, for the ability to get their data back. Uh, and so that is basically the economic uh, underpinning of what's going on here and why we see ransomware more and more frequently. And that economic underpinning, that's part of that business decision you were just talking about? That's right. That's right. You know, they're you know these are not uh, these are not the you know classic Keystone criminals of the uh, you know of the past. You think about you know <laughs> someone who's you know, not educated. These are very technically savvy criminal networks. Um, you know, they often it's not a matter of just one organization, but there's a whole entire. Uh, ecosystem of, you know, a, a group of people will specialize in one particular area and they'll actually subcontract out, you know, one, one group or one, wow. one individual may specialize in basically getting the first foothold into an organization. Others may specialize in doing ransomware or, uh, you know, attacking certain types of systems. And uh, so it's a very sophisticated network. That's uh, that's interesting because it seems like almost there's just different levels of expertise based on, I guess, the breach or something. It's just scary. And, you know, if I think about it further, and this leads, leads me to my next question, you know, so you have that complication about maybe cyber criminals having certain expertise. And then if you take that further, like how does it complicate things when employees you know, use their own personal devices at work. I mean, how does that complicate the IT manager's roles? Yeah, you know, so you think about trying to solve this problem as it is, uh, you know, across a set of devices that the IT manager or the organization has purchased and they know and and uh, have control over. And now think, how does that, it's, you know, how does that get more complicated when your employees are bringing in devices where you don't know where they've been? It's, you know, it's, it's what is running on that system. Uh, you know, you, you no longer have a consistent baseline is, you know, is employee who brings their, you know, personal device in, is it already run? Is it already running malware? Is it already compromised? (laughs) Is it up to date? Is it patched? Right. Uh, so it's, it's a challenge. I mean, Microsoft and others invest in, uh, management capabilities. We have Microsoft Intune that helps our customers solve this problem and be able to put in place baselines and ensure that the device is up to date, that uh, you know the operating system and applications are configured with the right security policies. But uh, you know the device wasn't. You don't know where it came from. It wasn't born secure, and so it's still you know a risk. Uh, it's still a uh, you know, an area where the business is basically deciding that, hey, there's some productivity gain, but there's also some that loss of control represents a risk that they need to understand. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of feel like those two need to be weighed probably more often than not. And I'm not by any means uh, an IT person. But if I was, what advice would you give me as an IT decision maker before implementing, you know, any type of cybersecurity technology for my for my company. 
Yeah, it's, you know, as we talked about earlier, it's a very challenging space to be in. Uh, you know, you have, uh, you have all manner of threats and attacks and risks to, to deal with. And so, you know, the first thing in general that, uh, you know, that organizations need to do is to understand their environment, you know, their landscape, what are the critical things uh, to their business, critical IP that they may have, or critical processes and operations, uh, really have a, a thorough understanding of, you know, the organization's environment as it stands. Uh, understand the people that you have. Uh, you know, we talked about, again, staffing is, a, right. you know, a real challenge. And do you have the right people for the job? Uh, you know, you need to basically make sure that you are well situated uh, from, uh, you know, understanding the business, understanding your people, and then what are your security objectives? You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of help and uh, processes that exist out there that organizations can go through of all sizes to kind of get a sense of how to prioritize. What are the most critical security projects? How do they basically move up on the maturity scale of how, how they basically defend against these attacks and better protect the business? Uh, but you got to understand um, you know, these aspects before you start investing in technology. And then as we talked about, you know, so, uh, you know, uh, identity theft and phishing and the like is critical. So understanding as you start to look more at uh, solutions to these problems, uh, you know, what's your strategy for multi-factor authentication, for conditional access, for logging and monitoring and uh, basically responding to security threats. Uh, you have to look heavily at your legacy, you know, apps and infrastructure and legacy protocols. Uh, you know, one of the things you can't just put in place, buy a bunch of technology and assume that the same systems that you had running for the last 20, 30, 40 years uh, are just more secure as a result of that. You really have to rethink and say, where do we need to modernize? Where do we need to basically move forward uh, and, and you know, cut off a system and get it out of your environment in order to really achieve the security goals that you have to in today's environment? Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. I mean, you just quickly rattle off that list, which is great. But but there is one thing I, I do want to go back to a little bit because I, I think it's important. You've mentioned it twice. When we start talking about staffing being a real challenge or a lack of qualified people, can you speak to a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, um, you know, you look, you look today, there's a variety of certifications, but the fact of the matter is that... Um, uh, you know, the types of threats that you have in your environment, uh, you know, are going to, and the, the nature of your business is going to determine a whole range of professionals that you need to have aid you. Everything, everything from folks who specialize in the process side, specialize in the uh, technology side, uh, particular, you know, whether it's sort of identity management and identity security, whether it's operating systems, whether it's your backend infrastructure, um, you know, whether it's hardware, uh, even, you know, to physical access controls and the like. And so, um, you know, assessing sort of what you have and what the gaps are and, uh, you know, and then looking to fill those gaps and make making sure that you're doing it in, uh, you know, a very proactive uh, manner to make sure that, uh, um, you know, you are, uh, you are staying ahead of the curve. Yeah. And so I think that that kind of speaks to the, the next part of our segment where we start talking about gaps. And I know, uh, Microsoft and you launched, um, this new feature called secure core PC. And, and so if you could just tell us, you know, 
starting at the high level, what exactly is Secure PC, Secure Core PC, and how it works? Yeah, so Secure Core PC is something that uh, we launched back in the fall last year with uh, our silicon partners and a number of our OEMs, including Panasonic. And I'm super excited to be able to talk about it. Uh, you know, what, what it represents, Microsoft over the last number of years, looking at all of the insights that we get uh, from our customers and from the billion plus endpoints that we monitor and manage Windows 10 and, and other endpoints, uh, and taking all of that security know-how, uh, we work specifically with our silicon partners to ensure that we have basically an integrated security design that represents the most secure expression of a PC. What it does basically is with capabilities and innovation in the hardware and in the firmware working together with the operating system, it ensures that uh, vulnerability, should any vulnerability exist in firmware, it can't compromise our customers' Uh, keys, data, and identity in the system in Windows. Secondly, is that we use the uh, Windows Hello and biometric-based authentication to protect against all of those phishing attacks and identity uh, theft uh, capabilities that attackers are leveraging today to basically knock out whole classes of attack that would otherwise be possible. And thirdly, is to provide... Uh, an environment inside of the operating system where uh, even if the device has malware on it, the most critical secrets and customer uh, data can't be compromised. Uh, we basically have an extra layer of defense. You can think of it as like a, a castle back in the Middle Ages, where even if the invaders crack the outer ring of that castle, they can't get into the keep where the most valuable jewels and the, you know, the, the critical folks are, are kept. Yeah, and so I, I love that analogy. So, it, but but that makes me want to ask, you know, how does Secure Core PC different than just software solutions that are around today? Yep, great question. So, you know, the thing that we learn, and you know, from all of the seeing firsthand from our customers uh, and from the data we collect, you know, via things like Windows Defender, advanced threat protection around how attackers, how are you know cyber criminals basically gaining access to systems. Uh, one of the key learnings is that. Uh, you know, when you have hardware enforcement that is basically helping your software, helping your operating system, helping Windows be more secure, it represents a major barrier, uh, you know, to a malware getting into the system. And so, uh, you know, what, what you can find is that, you know, even if you have things like traditional anti-malware approaches that may be able to detect that there's a piece of malware on a system, if that malware has, has basically burrowed into the fir firmware, you can't prevent, for example, on the next boot of that PC, the malware coming right back or potentially disabling your oh, anti-malware really? ability. Um, but with Secured Core PC and, and taking advantage of that hardware-rooted capability, um, we're able to go much deeper than what a software-only solution can provide. Yeah, I, I think that's an important distinction then. So, and, and using malware as an example, you know, I, I do know, and it, it, we do it too, uh, from a Panasonic perspective, you know, when start, uh, companies start talking about, you know, cloud and SaaS-based solutions, you know, the next question I'd ask is, you know, how does Secure Core PC take advantage of, of cloud-based computing? Yeah, it goes hand in hand. So, I, you know, I think one of the things that's, uh, that's really critical and, and, you know, I'll talk about one of the uh, assets that Microsoft has in the uh, Microsoft Defender Advanced Threat Protection, which is our cloud-based advanced 
um, malware detection and response capability. So Secure Core PC, a device that has Secure Core PC, such as the, the Panasonic Toughbook, has the ability to attest up all of that hardware and firmware-based security that Panasonic added are uh, basically visible. Uh, they're measured by the hardware as the device boots up and passed along to our cloud where uh, security operations folks, folks in IT for an enterprise can basically see that the protection is active uh, and rest assured that this device has basically a higher assurance, higher protection level associated with it. Um, so, you know, really great thing. I, you know, I think one of the things that uh, I'm especially proud of, uh, you know, maybe about a year ago, I went over to um, the, uh, you know, the engineering team at Panasonic um, early in the days of Secured Core PC in Osaka and spent a, a number of days doing sort of the early bring up of this capability. It really does start you know, with, with a tie-in between the, you know, the hardware and the firmware and the operating system working together uh, and all of that protection, all of that capability then being able to reflect back in the cloud as to the security posture of the device and how it's managed. Yeah, that's exciting. And I know we were excited to have you uh, in Osaka, uh, just even to talk about that high-level integration. And so if Secure Core PC is the here and now, right, that's the technology we're focused on. I know we, we launched it with you in October with our, our CF55, which is exciting. What does the future of innovation look like, you know, at Microsoft in cybersecurity? So, you know, Microsoft operates at uh, world-class scale in terms of uh, the effort that it applies to cybersecurity. Uh, you know, just to throw out some statistics, uh, we have over 3,500 individuals uh, that are focused on security R&D across the board, across all manner of products, uh, but also uh, on research, on working with um Law enforcement and and uh, local governments and uh, you know whole range of activities. Obviously, one of them I want to highlight, which uh, we just brought uh, announced today, uh, was that uh, our digital crimes unit that works with uh, law enforcement in the U.S. as well as many other geographies. Uh, disrupted and brought to an end a major botnet network that's basically been uh, causing all sorts of havoc across the world over over a number of years. Uh, the botnet's called the Neckers botnet, and it's infected more than 9 million computers around wow. the world. Uh, our DCU team had been tracking uh, the criminals associated with this for, for quite a number of years. Uh, it's something that uh, resulted in uh, over 40 million people around the world getting spam mail, uh, driving, again, identity theft, driving all sorts of fraudulent activity and basically causing people's computers to be uh, basically, um, you know, controlled by this criminal element. Uh, so an example of that, uh, that world-class scale and that impact that happens at Microsoft. Uh, you know, there's also a lot of cutting edge research that, you know, that, that uh, goes on. You know, there's a lot of activities, for example, using machine learning and artificial inte intelligence nowadays and applying that uh, to real world problems. So uh, Microsoft Defender and Defender Advanced Threat Protection, for example, uh, use machine learning today to be able to detect uh, previously undetected malware out there. Uh, even to the point, uh, you know, in uh, Microsoft Research where we're applying quantum computing uh, to both, you know, security problems for today and in the future. 
Yeah, and so I mean, those are some uh, impressive stats, and uh, you know, I, I no doubt we'll, we'll be hearing more from from you and Microsoft and uh, Secure uh, Core PC in the future. And you know, so we're almost nearing the end of our time. Um, and so, Peter, one last question: What is one thing you love about your job? That's tough. It's tough to narrow it down. I'd probably say the, um, you know, the people that I work with are probably the best. I mean, I think the thing, you know, obviously you got that the scale that Microsoft uh, uh, operates on from a security perspective uh, is is a you know huge scale. There's a lot of a uh, lot of surface area to a lot of different folks, um, but you know, especially in the area that I'm in. Um, we get to do cutting edge things, make a difference for customers and the people I'm surrounded with, they're all driven by that. Um, you know, these are folks that, uh, you know, they relish being able to do something, uh, you know, at a, a scale, right. The impact that we can have to make people's lives, you know, less troubled by cyber criminals to basically ensure that their data is not stolen. These people are passionate about that. So it's, it's cool to be able to, to work with people that, you know, that thrive so much on, uh, the problem space that, that, uh, that we have. Yeah. Uh, and Peter, I'm not going to disagree. It's nice to, uh, know that you make an impact. And you've certainly made an impact on today's show. And I want to thank you for coming on. Much appreciated, Barry. This has been fun. Uh, it's, it's great. And uh, thank you to all the listeners. So uh, much appreciated. You bet. And, and I think that's it for us today. Uh, my name is Barry Ross. And that was another episode of Rugged Rants. Tune into new episodes and hear on a whole range of topics, each a tough and bold conversation on the future of innovation and what we can expect as work changes.